Work seems to be changing a lot. Companies like Netflix and LinkedIn offer unlimited time off. Airbnb lets its employees work from anywhere. The latest trend began in Europe. It's now gone global, according to the BBC. This new idea that your employer could pay for your holiday instead of of giving you more salary or a higher wage, or maybe on top of that. The initiative began in travel-related companies like Airbnb and Expedia, presumably because the connections they have enable discounted travel, but that's not clear. And that won't be the case in all the other firms and other industries which are following suit. Fringe tax in New Zealand might discourage the practice here, but who knows. Dr. Jared Ha is a Professor of Management and Māori Business at Massey University. Morena, Jared. Kia ora, kia ora. I couldn't find companies in New Zealand paying for holiday travel, you know, accommodation and rental cars and so on. It's unlikely here as any sort of general offering, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that is an unusual aspect. I know places like the police and fire services have, they'll have like, you know, they will have had uh, a holiday home they've bought decades ago when it was probably, you know, $30,000 or something like that to buy a house, uh, you know, and they have those for members who can who can kind of rent them out. But by and large, I think about 99.9% of the workforce in New Zealand um, are not having their um, the, you know, their managers and CEOs saying, hey, let me reward you with some holiday travel <laughs> as much as we would like it. <laughs> the thinking is that the world generally has a seller's market with employment, and this is a good incentive to get people to work for you. But will low unemployment last, do you think, Jared? No, even now we're starting to see, you know, redundancies starting to roll out and we will see the job market uh, slacken off and these wonderful potential perks, even the pay rises, right, they'll all start to dry up and and we'll just be glad to have a job rather than a 10% pay rise. Thanks for outlining our glum future. Um, <laughs> I think the one good thing we should be glad of is that you know you know higher paid workers aren't aren't the only you know aren't getting these kind of perks as an add on to a high salary. So you know because sometimes you know I saw something from the UK there and they were saying you know the average CEO there is on about four million pounds, and I was just thinking, crikey, that's a heck of a lot more. Uh, money than the average workers on, you know, and and so if you ended up having these kind of travel holidays as perks for the highest paid workers, you know, it does it doesn't really motivate, you know, the ninety five percent of of lower paid workers. I wonder if those sobering times that you think are coming are going to deal to those just unbelievable sometimes CEO salaries you talked about. Yeah, I I don't know if they will. The the trouble is that they're the captains of the ship, right? Um, And they'll tell they'll tell their board of you know we've got to pay high you know high salaries. And I'm not saying some of them aren't um, hardworking, but you know I think when we get into these kind of million dollar you know salaries, it does just seem to get a little bit kind of ridiculous. Having said that, Jim, if somebody offered you and I four million dollars to run a company, you know we'd probably be hard pressed to say, "Oh no, I think that's outrageous. I'll work just for a million, right? We'd say, oh, if I have to take it, I have to, and they are a small 
small number. That's probably something we should say in New Zealand in their defence. Um, and so, so it's not like there's thousands of these people out there earning tons, you know, earning millions of dollars. It might only be uh, a couple of a dozen or something like that. But still, it is outrageously high money. I won't take a penny over two million. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Um, of course, these days there'd be pushback. I was thinking with all these holiday offerings outside New Zealand, which seem to be happening, there'd be pushback regarding carbon footprints, and wouldn't there? I mean, it's a new era we're in. It's a new era. It, it does always kind of crack me up a little bit on those things because I always feel like, you know, if you've ever flown on a plane, and let's be honest, you'd, you'd prefer it not to be 100% full, right? Because you're thinking, good grief, it's just I can't breathe on the place. But, you know, I always think if the plane is 10 15% empty and you you and i buy a ticket to to fly on it well you know when somebody says oh that's a big carbon carbon footprint i i you know you could almost see why people would say but but surely that plane is flying anyway right and if i'm not on it the, the carbon footprint is just shed amongst um fewer people not more people um but i do think we have a greater awareness you know you can buy your airline ticket and then uh, pay to have some trees planted for for example to try to offset these kind of things so i don't think we're quite at the at the uh, limit where we see people not deciding to travel at least in large numbers. I, you know, I know there's been little groups doing, you know, like train trips through Europe and America instead of flying, but I still think they're, the, they're a very small minority, at least at this stage. Yeah, okay, we're not there yet. Professor Jared Haar is with us. The suggestion is that we are, though, entering an era where more than just money enters the picture. I know we have an emphasis on wellness initiatives and some companies provide discounted health insurance and so on, but the future of work may be more than just wages and salaries. I, I mean, and I think we've been there for a while, and I think, ironically, the high uh, cost of living in this kind of inflation time we've been through in the last year has actually kind of flipped that a little bit and and i think workers have become probably because it's it's so expensive you know petrol and food etc and and uh, interest rates on your mortgage type thing have become so challenging that people workers i think have become more obsessed over the bottom dollar rather than a more holistic um you know, their well-being, for example. I do think that might change because once organisations, you know, say, well, actually, the, the the market is no longer conducive to me paying you more and more salary. And probably the easiest one for organisations that doesn't cost them much really is, you know, as, as I look out the window here at the blue skies and think, oh, it's, it's soon enough we'll be getting into summer summer weather you know if you, if you let everybody knock off early on a friday at three o'clock as we into december or something as simple as that it probably doesn't cost you two hours of lost labor right because guess what the workers aren't doing a lot between three and five on a friday afternoon when it's 25 degrees outside they're all dreaming of getting home for the weekend so maybe those kind of initiatives will help um, raise the kind of well-being of your workers, but they'll also appreciate those kind of actions and reciprocate by not job hunting over the Christmas period, right? By putting in that little bit extra work, 
kind of the Monday to Friday lunchtime period when that's probably where you're getting the most out of your workforce anyhow. So there's some there's some cheap, cheap for once um, HR advice there for organisations. <laughs> Think about summertime hours. It does seem like a likely prospect the way you talk about it. Look, one more thing, Jared, if you don't mind. There are also what you alluded to at the start. I mean, there there are what seem like intractable problems with burnout and work disillusionment, um, even long COVID, which is having a huge but not much talked about effect. And of course, the acts of AI about to come swinging through workplaces. And I know you think of the bigger picture in what you do. There is a revolution beginning to happen on the scale, maybe even of the industrial revolution, isn't there? And they have talked about it at least for the last kind of five or so, six years. But I do think that whole AI thing, um, which, let's be honest, has been a science fiction um, topic for decades. And we've all just kind of thought, wow, that's quite magical. But now things like that chat GTP that are just so easy for people to utilize and go, wow, that was amazing. And that was so quick. I do think that you're right about the kind of swinging through workplaces. I think there's the potential for that. If AI swung through the workplace and removed, let's say it removed 10% of the workforce, so not a huge number, that's 10% people not paying taxes and now drawing benefits. And guess what? We as a society, and this would be a global thing, I don't think we can afford to lose that many workers, right? AI, if it it came along, I think we'd just be like, well, hold on, I I have less tax and I have to pay more benefits. It's going to ruin society. So I do think at some stage, workers might get saved. But I, but I do think it's a lesson for workers to embrace technology and learn how to use it. Because I think if you're being proactive, that's going to make your job, your future job prospects, or you're all retaining your current job prospects more, you know, more likely than not. So um, AI is kind of potentially scary. If Jim can use it, um, and and does more work with it, but Jared resisted and doesn't. You know, I'm far more likely to want to re- remove Jared than Jim. So, I think it's a good mechanism for workers to protect themselves by, you know, you you know, looking to at least experiment with AI in the workplace. Solid advice from you as always. Um, thank you very much for your time today, Jared, for talking to us. My pleasure. Thank you, Professor Jared Ha.